Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Oh my goodness, Trish, you'll never guess what my uh, my dad, well, my parents, my 81-year-old parents mm. who live in a small bungalow in Cornwall have done now. They haven't uh, sold their house and decided to move in with you, have they? No, they wouldn't <laughs> want to do that. My cooking's worse than my mum's cooking. Um, they've just bought a six-week-old Jack Russell puppy, terrier puppy. Oh, isn't that really sweet? No, no, no Trish, because <laughs> it's led to it led to an aw- slightly awkward silence as my oh. brain processed oh, this did a thing. Bit of maths. Um, did a bit of maths? Yeah, oh, I did yes. dead dog maths. Dead oh. parent maths. I just, I said, well, I was very hoped. I was very kind and happy about mm. it but really what would you what oh, would dear. happen how, I mean how yes. do you handle that awkward conversation because I do not mm. want a Jack Russell okay. I've got a terrier I don't, that one's quite <laughs> tricky so won't like it mm. I think you've just got to be thinking short term great for the old parents give them a new lease of life get them out get them walking and then just try and park it park it okay yeah don't, don't be the adult in this conversation <laughs> with them <laughs> definitely no. not hello hello welcome to postcards from midlife i'm trish halpin and i'm lorraine candy and we're on a mission to help you make the most of your magnificent midlife we'll be tackling everything from mind and body wellness to hrt and your sex drive trish and i are here to help you have a stylish second act and answer all your midlife questions on fashion beauty careers relationships family and as always the challenges and joys of parenting teens It's another week, which means another episode of our little podcast, and we're delighted that you've downloaded, tuned in, and are up for listening to the pair of us twittering on for the next 50 minutes or so. Well, don't try and put them off, Trish. I mean, I marvel (laughs) at anyone listening to us, frankly. Anyway, I hope we haven't put you off because we have a very exciting and, as always, helpful show for you today. Our special guest is the photographer, food writer, filmmaker, global meat-free campaigner, and mum of four boys, Mary McCartney. Mary's here to tell us about her new TV show and her cookbook inspired by her mum, Linda, as well as sharing some of her family rituals and what it was like living with dad, Paul, who I think he's a musician of some sort, isn't he, Mm. (laughs) during lockdown. And later on, we'll be discussing networking in How to Win at Midlife. We have some expert advice on how to up your game with this important career skill and how you can do it virtually too, given that we're all living in this kind of working from home, Zoomy world. Are you a good networker, Lorraine? I'm brilliant at everything, Trish. You know that. I'm a genius. <laughs> Keep telling you this. Well, I think you would like to get your little mitts, wouldn't you, on my little mm, black book of yes. fabulous celebrity names, which I keep dropping all over the place, because I have spent 10,000 years hobnobbing with fashion designers, cover stars, celebrities, footballers, astronauts, the crankies, <laughs> put it all in there, all in that little book, Trish. You, Yes, you are such a name dropper, aren't you? But that is Perfect. one of the many things I love about you. First up, though, we are going to be jibber-jabbering about some of the things we've learned from you, our lovely audience, things we didn't know about menopause, some things you do that inspire us, and also how you've made us laugh with tales of your own teenagers' shenanigans. Shall we get to it, Lorraine? Yep, there's no time like the present, Trish. Let's get on with it. 
So kicking off proceedings today, we wanted to have a bit of jibber jabber about some of the things that we're learning from you, our marvellous audience. We love hearing from you on email, the Facebook group and Instagram. So please do keep those midlife thoughts, experiences, rages, jokes, pictures and japes coming our way. Trish, tell me what has caught your eye this week. Well, I actually learned something really valuable, which I didn't know before, about prescription charges. And that is relevant, isn't it? Because for those of us on our HRT and getting our regular prescriptions of HRT... This was uh, an eye-opener. Yeah, I mean, it is, isn't it? Because it's a bit hit and miss about some doctors might prescribe three packs, some might prescribe two packs, and then you're being charged depending... Sometimes my pharmacist charges me for two prescriptions, sometimes it gets quite confusing, and I just kind of hand over my card and don't even think about it, which is a bit silly, really. But something that we discovered on the Facebook group was that you can get something called a prescription prepayment certificate or PPC. You pre-buy and it lets you get as many NHS prescriptions as you need for a set price. So the prescription charge in England is £9.35 per item. But one of these prescription prepayment certificates, well, it costs £30.25 from the 1st of April for a three-month one, or you can buy a 12-month one for £108.00. 10 pence. So for a whole year. You get the whole lot. You get the whole lot. Yeah. Which is quite amazing, I think. And where where do you get them? Well, where you find out about that, it's kind of this business website part of the NHS, which is NHS bsa.nhs.uk. So if you go on there, there's a link and you can buy one of these amazing things. That has changed my life because <laughs> it's it's something I would never have found. No, unless on my own wouldn't have crossed my mind. mentioned it. So thank you guys for yes, that. Thank you. Um, I am also liking on our Facebook group the five minute yoga posts by a lady called Rebecca. She does wear a rather snazzy mm, little sparkly jazzy. top as yes. well sometimes when she does this. And really, her theme is that exercise, as we've all been saying for ages now, doesn't have to be this massive burnout session um, every time. That little and often can work too mm-hmm. well i have been doing a little bit of that trish mm-hmm. um i've been doing the sufi rolls or the sadie <laughs> rolls as i call them not sushi from, rolls no sufi from rolls. yin and tonic you know we have oh, yes, sadie frost on yes, you just yeah. sit in bed cross-legged mm-hmm. and do the rolls and they look quite easy no they're slightly more difficult than i thought but Ooh. it releases your hips and obviously mm-hmm. i've got a lazy butt update for yes. you <laughs> I've been wondering what's been happening with your lazy butt. I know, I know. It's not. I'm not talking about someone I know. It's actual my lazy glutes don't work. I've mm. been doing um, with a band. I just walk up and down the kitchen while the kettle boils. So I've been doing that every day oh. with a band around my knees and a band around my ankles. Oh, so it's sort of shuffling. Are you shuffling? <laughs> yes. It's like you're Children wearing a like really film tight it. pencil skirt. Yes, they like yeah. to film it and put it on. <laughs> Snapchat, oh. some kind of old lady channel. So, yes. Yeah, so have you been doing little bursts? I have, well? actually. I've been doing some little lunchtime bursts because I have been feel like I've been working a bit too hard lately. I've been glued to my laptop and my tapping away, tapping away, tapping away. And my hands, my hands, my arms, my shoulders, they just get all bunched up and tense and I get all these. Yeah. So I've been doing some little lunch break, quick little exercises, sort of desk reliever exercises with my lovely friend, Joanna Hall, who I know I'm always banging on about, but she's just got such good little videos that you can do and oh, it good. doesn't take long and it really does help you kind of reset then for to get into the kind of afternoons session of work so I think a little 10 minutes there at lunchtime is a really my, good one. My favourite post 
almost mm. bring strange news to us all. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was very intrigued by a post from Lucy, mm-hmm. who ha- is perimenopausal, and she says she thinks she has started to smell differently. So herself smelling differently mm. and smelling things yes differently so this is so i don't know does your sense of smell get affected by uh the fluctuation in your hormones it's possible it does because anna on the group said there is um a distinct old person smell and the japanese call it carry issue Mm. so we googled old person japanese whatever that saying word is (laughs) smell and this is what we found Scientists believe the increase in two nonenal is really, I don't know what that means, is related to the breakdown of omega-7 unsaturated fatty acids. So as the omega-7 deteriorates with aging, the two nonenal is released as a byproduct and it seeps through the skin. It's washed away, but the bad news is that smell comes back and the smell has been described (laughs) as greasy, grassy odour, which matches what old people smell like. So the old people smell um, that we often compare. Of as teenagers ourselves and it could be from an anthropological point of Uh view help people identify unsuitable mating partners i mean i can (laughs) identify them anyway quite just by looking at them by looking at them but yeah 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 imagine that well do you you have funny smell things well i think um i think as we've talked before about your sense of smell changing during menopause and mine got really really heightened and it it still is really Mm. and there's lots and lots of smells um you know uh, chemical smells fabric conditions that I just can't stand but I think it's also interesting how your perfume can change on your skin you know your chin yeah so there is something I don't think we're at old people smell just yet (laughs) we're not at that stage I'm hoping that's another decade or two away but I think it's just an interesting one isn't it to kind of just see that there there, there are other things going on well I often as they change (laughs) I wonder if it's to do with my increasing clumsiness, though, because, you know, you'd use coordination what is, slightly. What smell? Through, well, no, no, I keep dropping things down my oh. down my front. Oh, so yesterday, <laughs> someone, one of my teens said to me, why do you smell of Marmite? That's a bit of an old person smell. And I said, oh, well, it's because I dropped my toast on my top oh and it's all smeared it's all smeared down the front oh that's lovely well listen talking of whiffy things one that really made me laugh um was a picture that tony posted of now you're gonna have to imagine this like a great big boar like a hog pig type thing lying on a dirty old mattress outside in front of these sort of dumpster trucks it obviously like it looks like it's in Europe somewhere, and there's obviously just been this sort of bin area, and these hogs come along and thought, oh, I have a little eye down on that mattress. <laughs> it's quite nice, and she said it sort of looks and smells like her her son's bedroom. Yeah. you know right now and uh, so there was much chat and, and hilarity about smelly teen bedrooms and then but it was else. funny though trish it that was, was a really was funny very, picture because it really made me laugh it did really look like their bedrooms <laughs> do look like sometimes yes. doesn't it i mean total tip the and stuff. then there was somebody posted then their daughter literally about 20 mugs yeah. lined up on the dressing table that the daughter had been hoarding up there so um but yeah i mean teen transgressions they continue oh, in my house shall i tell okay. you the latest one the latest one is um because obviously they go over the park because they can't go anywhere else over the, the park over the park down the road that's and... a very alan partridge thing to say <laughs> over the park i do want to say across the road to the common because that might sound a bit posh and, and uh, do you know what we used to do 
What? Up the moors. Just go up the moors. Up the moors. Lived that on sounds Bobby quite Moore. dangerous. Yeah, it was. Moors. But anyway, let me tell you about the transgression. So Sun uh, is wearing sliders plus sock combination. You know, they think that looks quite trendy with a sort of white calf length sock, mid calf length sock with a slider. So over he goes to the park slash common slash more his friends playing football so he takes the sliders off plays football in his socks then comes back in takes the sliders off at the front door as we have instructed for all the muddy shoes and then walks up the hall and the stairs (laughs) carpet in the muddy socks I'm like can you not join the dots here on what is going on and why this is so dim such a dim thing to do so that's that's what's been going on in our house what about yours i'm living through the three que- the three questions they're kind oh of to- testing me every morning oh they say morning. have you why can't you and why did you they say oh to God. me so yeah. what this usually means is they've lost an item of clothing mm-hmm. yeah have you washed it why can't you wash it? Why did you wash it? Mm-hmm. Um, and they can't find the item of clothing, but they can't find the item of clothing, Trish, because you couldn't find anything in that room. <laughs> you, you could find nothing. I mean, if a giant hog lay down on the mattress, it, <laughs> I probably wouldn't be able to see it in the mess that's in that room. However, it's still it's still my fault. We're still on the hunt now for some great big grey cardigan bought on oh, Depop, dear. probably full of moths that will be eating oh, yes. all of my clothes. Yes. Um, can't find it anywhere, but not allowed to have a look in the aforementioned mm. bedroom and it's lost forever yes. but and it's that's enormous. your fault that's it's your my fault. fault it is of course it is it's my yeah. fault not that we take these things personally no Photographer, food writer, filmmaker, global meat-free campaigner and mum of four boys, Mary McCartney has led an adventure-filled life. And now, after 30 years behind the camera, she has stepped in front of the lens to host her own vegetarian cookery show. Mary McCartney Serves It Up is on Discovery Plus and she invites viewers into her London kitchen as she prepares veggie feasts. Celebrity guests so far have included Kate Hudson, Stanley Tucci, Mark Ronson, Cameron Diaz, Nicole Ritchie and Dave Grohl. Mary, 51, is here today to chat about the show and her new cookbook, Linda McCartney's Family Kitchen, which has over 90 plant-based recipes and looks back on her childhood growing up with photographer Linda and musician Paul McCartney. So hello, Mary, and welcome to Postcards from Midlife. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm going to start by saying I like your new haircut because that's a bob, isn't it, for the first time? Well, for the first time since I was 15. Yeah. So, yes, I'm really happy with it. Why did you have that done? You know why? I've always had the same haircut and it's always just been below shoulder length for such a long time. And I think through the last year, I was getting a haircut. My kids were getting haircuts, actually, and we were just out of lockdown. I was with this great haircutter and I was like, can you give me a trim? And he sort of held it. He was like, should we sort of do shoulder length just above or just below the ears? And I was like, let's go for it. I think um, a little bit of change kind of brightens up your day at the moment and sort of changes yeah. things up and something a bit different means different things can happen. So I felt like, you know, even though it's a small change, having a different haircut, it adds a bit of variety and adventure an to my day. 
Yeah. Yeah. So we've known each other quite a long time, mostly at the school gates. Yeah. Kids were little. And you used to shoot quite a bit for me at L and Sunday Times yeah. style. And one of the things I do know about you is that you don't really like being centre of attention. But you've now decided to go right in front of the camera and present a cookery show. Why did that change then? Why did you want to step in front of the lens? I'm really passionate about meat-free cooking and about sharing ideas. I grew up in a family that was vegetarian, so we were always talking about food, how to fill that gap on your plate. And so uh, we also, as a family, promote Meat-Free Monday. Stella, dad and I launched that 11 years ago. And so that's about giving up meat one day a year for the animals and also for the environmental impact, like it really helps your carbon footprint. And it's little things like that. So in doing that, I'm really understanding of the fact that for some people who have grown up in a family with meat and two veg, it's not so easy. And so I just have always grown up sort of suggesting things to friends or people that ask me. And it's a continuation of that. I did a couple of cookbooks and I did a little food blog and this is now the cooking show so actually my husband presented it to somebody at the discovery channel and they commissioned it to my surprise in the first lockdown and have you um, had to develop a, like an on-screen persona then because they're, they're very I mean, famous the people that you interview so, I mean you just oh, they are friends I'm guessing but did you think well I'm going to be this kind of Mary when I do Kate Hudson and and it's in it your more, London kitchen isn't it more the more of the drama was going from being somebody that's never done anything like that to yeah. stepping in front of the camera to do a cooking show everything that I do I try to do really simple ingredients that are easy to find and quick and easy but really packed full of as much flavor so what I'm always sort of quite traditional things where it's like you know I want it to be satisfying because if I eat something too healthy I'm gonna just because I'm being right just like today I'm going to eat perfectly sometimes if it's not satisfying I will end up going and getting a chocolate bar and a packet of crisps yeah <laughs> so I'm like let's be realistic let's make it nutritious but also really as satisfying as possible so I'm thinking of my viewer but then I was like yeah let's do the show and then the first day standing there I was like oh my goodness you have to look into the camera yeah. you need to chop and like do the recipe but also tell anecdotes and so yeah I was being friendly Mary so the interview <laughs> bit was less stressful because in my photography work I'm working with people and I'd like to talk talking to people and I'm a people person but yeah. actually standing in front of the chopping board and showing someone how to cook you know it's funny because if you if I was doing it with you I'd be like let's stay calm get the onion chop it whereas when you're doing the show you need to be a bit perky so yeah <laughs> so Mary obviously you've talked about the benefits to the planets of being meat-free obviously animals but there are incredible health benefits too mm. and is that something that you talk about on the show I think I do share it on the show but one of the things is that I really am aware of not being really preachy yeah because I've discovered as I get into my midlife, as I get more mature, that I really hate people telling me what to do. Yeah. And it takes quite a long time to find your own voice and find your own confidence. So I'm not that person that's going to go, don't kill an animal for your plate. Why are you doing this? Do you know the world's going to blow up? I'm sort of like, look, you know, make your own decisions. How about this as an idea? And so, yes, I do, um, I do sneak in some of the things that I do for 
my own health. I do a recipe with nuts and seeds. So to make them more interesting, I sort of put them in a dry pan and put soy sauce and a squeeze of lime and you can put a bit of chili. I mean, it's not unusual now to be a vegetarian, is it? So Yeah. Isn't that exciting? I know, mm-hmm. but you must, you and Stella and Paul, you must all be thinking, we'd, we've been telling you this for years. Mm, no, for me, I'm like, isn't it great that nobody's telling me off? Because it often, like when I left home and I was in London working I'd go for like be invited to a dinner and I'd be seated next to somebody and they'd be like oh you're eating vegetarian and then they rather than me going why are you eating that yeah steak Mm. like do you realize how that got to your plate they would go do you wear leather do you do this and then I'd be like oh my god (laughs) I I wasn't even talking to you about your food (laughs) leave me alone (laughs) so I'm actually really excited that it's an open conversation now I think there are a lot of quite daunting issues with the food industry and Mm. as it stands so to be able to have a conversation and talk to people and try and come up with solutions and try and do our bit is good I sort of sneak in some of the things like watercress for iron and nuts and seeds Mm -hmm. for good healthy fats and citrus you know sort of things with vitamin c and but I cover it all in delicious dressings and sauces to sort of make it more I've seen that now as you may know Mary I am a shockingly bad cook diabolical (laughs) I mean I was a vegetarian for about 15 years at one point so on and off over Mm. my 10,000 years on this planet I have been eating veggie but I'm a terrible cook Um, Trish is a good cook and a good vegetarian she's been a vegetarian long (laughs) time good girl Trish thank you (laughs) I need to talk to you (laughs) I know but if you're a haphazard cook like me and you put your plate down and there's mm-hmm. a, the space is left, isn't it, for the <laughs> for the for the meat? What what are the kind of quick, easy recipes? I think my number in? one question is: Do you enjoy cooking? Do you want to cook? Like, is it you don't cook because you're like, I just can't be bothered, and there isn't time? Or mm. is it like when you do it, do you find it relaxing or I enjoyable? I find it slightly meditative, but I'm mm. always a bit worried about what people are going to think, and and also yeah. worried that my knowledge isn't good enough to put throw things together and then when I open a cookbook I take a big deep sigh and think oh god it's gonna take me hours to make this work I'm gonna (laughs) urge you I'm gonna urge you to watch the cooking show I've seen the Kate Hartson did it not did it not make (laughs) it it looks really easy easy because (laughs) I think one thing that people might say is that in the part that my things are too easy but that is really for a reason because I kind of imagine somebody not necessarily being a cook and just going okay, I can do this. And it's not many ingredients. It won't take you a very long amount of time. I do one which is you grate a cauliflower, put it in a bowl, squeeze some lemon on it, maybe put a bit of parsley in, a bit of salt, a bit of olive oil, leave that aside, get a a lettuce cup, like a baby gem, separate them, get one sweet potato, cut it into little pieces and bake it with some olive oil in the oven for 15 minutes fry some onions in a pan and then you just assemble it you get a lettuce leaf a spoonful of the cauliflower a little bit of warm mushrooms and a sprinkle of sweet potato and it's absolutely delicious and it's (laughs) super easy it is easy Mm, it is easy i'm drooling over that let's talk about teens mary oh yes let's talk about them (laughs) 
Now, um, teens, teenagers. Now, as Lorraine mentioned, I am a veggie, but I grew up very much in a sort of Irish meat and three veg, Mm. overcooked veg household. Mm. So as soon as I was able to kind of make my own choices about food, I was like, oh, and have been vegetarian ever since. And of course, my my kids aren't, uh, then my husband isn't, and they don't eat that healthily. You've got four sons, right? Four boys. Four boys. What's the age range? One turns 22 on Saturday. You can believe it, oh, Lorraine. That's ridiculous. You remember him when he's a teeny little boy. Oh. They age range between 22 and 9. Okay. And, ha- and and I suppose for you, is it that they, they've never had meat? They've always eaten so veggie? How I, do we I, our, encourage I go, our teens? I go with the technique that my mum and dad did with us. They were driving by in a lorry that had like loads of crates of chickens all completely packed up together. And they connected that to then chicken on their plate or and they did that with lambs they were eating lamb one day and they looked and there were lambs playing in a field they sat us down they were like look we don't want to eat meat anymore and mum was like I don't want to cook eat meat anymore so you're allowed to have it when you're not with us but at home I'm not going to cook it so we felt like we had our own decision I try to do what my mum did, which is make it as tasty. And I kind of think about what they like to eat and I tailor it around them. So I Mm -hmm. try to feed them up, keep them satisfied, have good food around and um, do it that way. So I'll make like veggie chilies, Mm -hmm. have veggie chili. Then I can put Mm -hmm. that on a baked potato. I can put it in a burrito, put it Mm -hmm. in a taco, lots of soups. But boys Um, eat like so much food don't they yeah it's it's extraordinary amount it's like having a herd of animals coming through the kitchen emptying the fridge every 30 (laughs) seconds (laughs) it's a lot of food so it's like making big soups and you know big quiches and pies and Mm -hmm. tomato sauces and pesto things I can keep in the fridge and you can chuck it together Mm-hmm. And also sort of trying to involve them because I, it, for me, it's quite important to get them involved or get, have them watching me cook so that mm-hmm. they kind of pick it up a yeah. bit as they go along. Because I think it's a shame. And I, I am really aware and grateful of the fact that my mum was a great cook and she did like to cook. Mm-hmm. Do you have little family rituals? Because I know this is part of the new book, which is out in June, but we have this ritual at home on a Sunday where we have a roast. And at the end of it, we go around and I make them all tell me, <laughs> what's been good yeah. about their week and what's been bad about their week now they used to love it um yeah they, they all wanted to go first now of course they just roll their eyes and look at me like I'm a lunatic but I still make them do it do you have things like that that you do with the kids I think one of the main family rituals is birthdays you're always allowed to pick exactly what you want for dinner mm-hmm. so that's a good one and also what cake you want that's come down through my family as well when I was a kid I asked my mum for a rainbow icing and a rainbow cake so she had to do like seven different colors yeah. of icing and put it across <laughs> the cake so I didn't realize how complicated that was when I requested that and talking about that families eating together and generations together I believe you've been living with your dad in lockdown you've had your kids your dad you've got all these lovely generations together how has that been how's the dynamic been there it was actually an amazing beautiful thing it was interesting because dad was meant to be on tour we were all none of us were meant to all be living together Mm. like that and so he would be at at the studio he ended up recording what became McCartney 3 that's when I'd been commissioned to do the cooking show Mary McCartney serves it up I was sort of developing and testing recipes and he'd get back at the end of the day and he'd play the song that he'd been working on and I we'd have like a margarita he makes a really good margarita Mm -hmm. 
Oh, which I like um marguerite i can do yeah. that so good <laughs> that's in the that, i can give you that recipe and actually not too bad for you because it's tequila which i think is kind of quite it's, healthy it's a little, the good tiny spirit bit. yeah and, uh, it's a lime a little bit of triple sec but the, his secret ingredient is some fresh orange juice mm. so it's sweetened instead of like agave it's sort of orange juice so vitamin c sing when he gives it to you do you get a bit well he was playing one of his new songs (laughs) so yeah and then he asked me to take the pictures for the album as well so it was a really nice project and it it sort of kept our spirits up it did that through lockdown as well yeah i became his lockdown photographer and it was quite nice you had your old land rover you had all these childhood memories yeah. i mean i look at that and think what a lovely lockdown in, in was, a way to was... get that special time together you might not have had if you'd been on tour yeah and it was a time where we always sort of spend a weekend here and there together we're we're close and we spend time together maybe on holidays but it was the longest we've all spent together and in the family home so it was nice for the kids to sort of get that time as well and to sort of see it was sort of going back in time sort of to the sort of more the way that I grew up sort of him recording playing the songs and then us eating and um, he a good a beautiful time. he's a great granddad We're very he's cool so- as a granddad I guess yeah, and he's just very approachable, and they they've all got a lot in common. He's he's got good energy, Dad. He's got good. Um, I suppose routine is something that I picked up off him. You know, he'll sort of he looks after himself. He's got a strong work ethic that I've picked mm. up too. But he will sort of keep himself calm. He'll do his sort of exercise in the morning. He does eye yoga, which is amazing. What's that? Google one? Paul McCartney eye yoga. Well, it's not <laughs> usually something one I've got I talk to learn, about. is it? it? No, but it's a really good one. It's usually something I talk about, like when we all used to be able to go out and I'd be a bit drunk, I'd be like, Google Paul McCartney eye yoga. But when he was in India, he learned this eye yoga, which is sort of stretches exercises for your eyes, but mm. your eyes are a muscle. And so yeah. All I have to say, do what you want, but he doesn't wear glasses. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so the other thing that we should talk about, and you're sat in front of some of your mum's pictures here, and I always get a bit teary when I look at all of your work because everything you've done is either influenced by or relates to Linda, I think, in many ways. And it's such an unbelievable bond. She's almost with you all the time, I, I guess you would say. Now you've hit midlife. We've all hit midlife. We like to call it midlife. We might be a bit further along maybe <laughs> yes. than midlife. How much of your personality is your mum's now? How much is that still intertwined? We have got parallel sort of themes in that I do cooking like she did, photography, family, four kids, similar, yeah. loving horses, nature. So yeah, I've got a lot in common with mum. And I think I would say that we have a, have a similar eye or a similar sensibility that I've kind of hope I've inherited from her portrait photography, making people feel relaxed. She would make people feel very at ease. She was a really kind, very soulful person. So she always is in my mind in that way and just really artistic and a bit revolutionary. And she didn't really care what people thought about her, which I really strive for myself. Yeah. Because, you know, if you think about it, people used to make a lot of fun of her, like being vegetarian back then. Mm. It was like her and dad were both quite brave in a way or just didn't care. It's like they knew people were making fun of them behind their backs, but... Her fashion sense was very eclectic, like mixing designer and vintage and 
she'd wear odd socks and she'd cut her own hair. Now I think she sort of inspires a lot of people, but then she was kind of a bit of an oddball. But I love people that are a bit different and a bit eccentric and artistic. And maybe that's why, because she was so great. I'm kind of always looking for people like that. Mm. But um, yeah, she was a real one-off. You know, we keep it going today. Me and and Dad and Stel still work on the food brand, Linda McCartney Foods. We work closely on that. We're working on ideas for the 30th anniversary this year. Oh my gosh, 30 years. And um, I worked with her on her cookbooks and stuff. So that's why I suppose going back to when you were asking about my cooking show, I kind of feel like even though it's the first time I've sort of presented a cooking show, I've kind of been working within food and sort of promoting meat-free cooking for a long time and adapting it because when she and I were together we, she was doing her last cookbook and I was helping her with it and she was saying I'd adapt the recipes from the first one and sort of change the ingredients like maybe I'd use extra virgin olive oil instead of butter and stuff so I think I've carried that on I feel like you would just be like this is good food yeah I would be apart from beetroot you know how I feel about that also <laughs> have you seen yes we need to talk about beetroot, even if it's in cake or muffins can't, or something. Can't. Yeah. <laughs> can't. Oh. I feel the same way about Brussels sprouts. I'm not. Do you? I love a Brussels sprouts. sprout, you see. That's. Oh. The... Mm. My dad would always try and say to me, oh, they're like perfect little miniature cabbages. And I'm like, no, they're like bitter and just not into it. <laughs> I just want to continue a bit on the mum theme, Mary, because I, yeah. I lost my mum to, to breast cancer and uh, mm. she was only 61. It was 17 years ago ago and I mean Mm, I'm sort of five six seven years away from her age at that time now and I don't know whether you find this but I feel like my my relationship with her and her loss has changed over those 17 Mm. years there are kind of some key moments things like you know the fact that she never got to meet my children which is still a real sort of regret for me I feel like I relate to her in different ways as I get older and as I get nearer to her age do you find that as well I mean obviously you've got it through the cooking but are are there other ways maybe that you feel like you're you're connecting or changing that relationship is still there isn't it it doesn't go away yeah you know one thing I don't know if you guys agree with this I don't know I think when just being a parent you've feel a certain amount of guilt Mm -hmm. just everything you do like I could have done that better I could have done this better and I feel like you know all the amazing things that you said about mum I feel like I would love to just be able to say to her have that conversation that Mm -hmm. we because I wasn't a mum when she passed away just Mm -hmm. god yeah no it's not that easy but god we really do our best Mm -hmm. whatever we do even if we beat ourselves up and feel guilty one thing I can guarantee is that you were always doing your best and had our best intentions and I know I have but mm-hmm. I think it would be good to just be able to go god we're not perfect though are we and should mm-hmm. we just sort of let ourselves off the hook a bit because yeah, I think that's key yeah but do you do that I sort of feel that yeah I do I have different points absolutely a kind of recognition of the milestones probably she went through and mm. things like now having gone through my perimenopause and menopause and at the time thinking oh she's crashing the pots and pans in the kitchen not understanding what was happening to her at that point in her life and Mm. coming at it now with a a sort of a very different viewpoint of of what might have been happening in in her life at particular moments. The loss, it doesn't go away. It's not, I'm not sad anymore, but I'm like that, that loss is there, but the relationship is still there. And I think that's what you don't lose that person because you will always have that, you know, however Mm. many years I had 37 years with her, that's always there. And that's very much to be cherished. It's a kind of a different 
different dynamic and I think midlife I do think it's a period of kind of seeing the world a bit differently because you're thinking I've got all of this years and experience behind me and then I've got what 30 really good years ahead how am I going to spend those years what am I going to be doing I don't know about you I was sort of quite annoyed when she passed away Mm -hmm. and I was sort of annoyed with people that were sort of living still because she Mm. was so brave and so brilliant and people like oh you need to grieve it properly and I was like how do you do that it's Mm. such a big thing to do so now I suppose I do spend a bit more time sort of reflecting on it and Mm. maybe being a bit more positive about it and I'm lucky I have so many pictures of my mum and I do say to people now who lose someone the only positive thing about being so sad means that you they were so loved and so brilliant it sort of comes part and parcel sort of you wouldn't be so sad if you didn't love them so much and if they weren't so great so how has your midlife journey been I mean how was it turning 40 then 50 how has that been as a woman for you in the cultural Um, cultural negative the narrative that's around it sometimes you know what I kind of feel great at the moment I feel better and better because I think I'm looking after myself and I know more about sort of what I like to eat and I feel more settled as a parent and then my career I'm loving what I do I think I've learned to really appreciate the amazing sort of range of things that I'm working on and so and I've got more confidence I think I think I was a bit of a late bloomer so <laughs> I felt a bit sort of more embarrassed and and sort of uncomfortable in my teens and my 20s so and within my career I kind of go in with more confidence and I'm more excited with in the past maybe I was a bit more unsure and I really appreciate what I do maybe that's coming with age I'm like really appreciative and like really excited about the projects I get to work on and from a physical point of view I do have an underactive thyroid condition which I've had sort of was diagnosed probably about 12 years ago so I've worked on more on what I eat that and maybe I'm more aware of myself so that might be why also I feel better what yes. do you for an underactive thyroid that's what, interesting. Yes, what do you do how do you treat that, that on our Facebook group well you avoid gluten mm-hmm. it's really not good for uh, an underactive thyroid and I try I need to eat a lot of healthy fats which was great finding that out later on in life What's that? What's growing up we fat? always avoided fats didn't we mm. we're like I'm gonna lose weight I'm gonna eat a zero fat diet healthy fats like what avocado nuts and seeds walnuts pumpkin seeds pine nuts mm, yummy well, love pine nuts are <laughs> love very good nut. for you <laughs> do you exercise still because you we used to jog now and again What's your thinking yeah, on that? Yeah, I do. I like walking in the parks. I don't run so much anymore. I know you do Pilates. I do yeah, I do like it. a mixture. I have a couple of people that um, I've sort of trained with over the years, one called Vicky Hilton and one called Lola, Lola's Way. They're quite cool. It's sort of a mixture of more kind of the dreaded planks and lunges, but then also mixed with stretches and yoga things and Pilates. So I like a... I like to mix it up, but I exercise and I also have a Peloton. Do you? I do try and exercise four times a week, about an hour each time. And I try to mix it up. So something a bit more cardio, something with a bit more nature, like in the park and something Mm. with more kind of the core is very important. I think Mm. in midlife is keeping your 
if you keep your torso core, lots of sort of gentle sort of Pilates stomach stuff, because I do believe that stops my back going and um, it sort of your core strength stops injuries. But whenever sports people that I've worked with or photographed or dancers get injured, they have to do Pilates to yeah. rehabilitate. So that's Does the me queen do it? Did you ask the queen if she was doing it when you taught her? <laughs> but she has such amazing skin. Her skin is incredible. I say that to people because Trish and yeah. I, I think you went to this, Trish, didn't you? I did, yeah, I met her. She had, a, she had a fashion gathering at Buckingham Palace and we all met her and up until then people have said oh well it's all retouched it's not and actually but, but mm-hmm. close up the queen's skin mm. is pretty damn yeah. good mm. yeah. remarkable we wonder been... what her skin regime is <laughs> I know we'll have her we'll get her on share her midlife story you've got so many projects on the cookbook the cookery show but you're also making a documentary about Abbey Road is that right we're allowed to talk about that yes I'm directing the official Abbey Road documentary I'm in the research stage at the moment and um, then I'm going to be interviewing people and I was asked to do it and I was like is this a project to take on and then I thought well I kind of have grown up going to the studio over the years and I don't know so much about it's the first purpose-built recording studio and sort of really shows the progress of the recording equipment it had all the best people and Elgar opened it in 1931 mm. with an orchestral performance of Land and Hope and Glory. Is there anything else happening that we need to know about? I'm doing a cookbook called Feeding Creativity, which has been a bit postponed because of lockdown, but I'll be getting back onto that next. I like feeding people and where I'm going to cook a recipe and I'm going to take it to somebody creative who I really like and I'm going to take a picture of them with it, write down the recipe, write an anecdote from sort of when we got together and then it'll become a cookbook. So I wanted to mention the new cookbook we've been working on, Mum's new cookbook that comes yes. out in June. Pretend I'm coming round to Mary McCartney's house for dinner. Yeah. Okay. And you say, Terrain, I'm going to cook you and those very ungrateful teenagers of yours, mm-hmm. <laughs> my favourite meal. What would that be? What would your favourite meal be? I would actually do you something out of the new cooking show because I was thinking with you, I think you would like the... Um, balsamic roasted shallot heart wouldn't you I do like it and it's got a really yeah I thought it's sort of nice I think the kids would like it too because it's lots of crisp lovely flaky pastry and I like a shortcut so I buy like a ready roll pastry I just lay it out pastry and then I do a nice sauce over it so it's sort of unctuous and tasty and we can just put it in the middle of the table and chop it and then for something sort of healthy and crisp I'll do some sort of sauteed um broccoli with a little little bit of garlic and a squeeze of lemon and some sea salt so nice and quick and easy so I can spend the time chatting with you and not sort of sweating over in the kitchen on that Kate Hudson one didn't you like the look of the vodka maple grilled peaches yes I did like those yes we could make them (laughs) and you could help me make them yes you could help me make them because we can go just put them on the little griddle pan and then we can have a little sort of a little bit of the vodka mixed in with some yeah. tonic mm. and squeeze the lime as we're doing it. Have a chat. Yeah. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Would you like that? <laughs> I would like that. I would be grateful. <laughs> in the classics episode, you have to check that one out because Dave Grohl is my um, guest mm. and he shows his badass vegetarian lasagna. So he who doesn't want to see... Your favourite drummer, doesn't he? Deliberately yeah. to poker, yeah. <laughs> it's so fun. His daughter Harper filmed it. 
They're so cute. Well, thank you so much for coming onto Postcards from Midlife, Mary. We are all salivating now and we'll be uh, rushing out to buy the cookbooks and look at your shows on Discovery. Thank you. Thank you. So nice to see you. Here we are once again at our How to Win at Midlife section. Um, This is the section in which we find things out that we hope will be really useful to you by speaking to experts and sharing our own life, career, fashion, beauty and well-being experiences for what they're worth. Now, this week we're going to be talking about networking. I'm not really a fan of the word because it feels like a pressurizing thing something else to put on your to-do list you know as if we've all got to have a great network around us to get to the top of our career on top of everything else that we've got going on it's a little bit competitive and one of the reasons I think it bothers me slightly networking though I absolutely see the value of it is that it can be confused with status Mm. (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. as in who you know not what you know but it really networking is about who you know to help you and who you know to help them isn't it Trish yeah yeah I think you're right it's sort of it was a bit sort of noughties work speak wasn't it in the in the 2000s and it was very buzzwordy but it is something actually we're probably all doing it day in day out but we need to kind of work out how we harness it because you can end up sort of spending a lot of time talking to people doing things and it doesn't necessarily get you anywhere but it's also about not just what you get from it but what you give back to others too so we spoke to coach and former journalist who we both know very well Alice Olins who is founder of the Step Up Club which is a really great resource um, helping women to get the most out of their careers and she's saying the first thing to think about is it is worth being aware of the fact that approximately 75% of new jobs are found through the hidden job market, aka networking. And a staggering 85% of investment in small businesses also comes through networking too. So it really is important to kind of, um, you know, have yes. that. I think it's important to recognise it. And that's why we're tackling, isn't it? I have found it phenomenally useful since I haven't been in mm. a full-time job. Yeah, I was very interested in Alice's observations about how men and women network differently. And, and she uses uh, the analogy of a bee versus a spider. And we women are the bees uh, because we tend to network with like-minded women in a tight supportive hive which helps to develop our confidence and often these relationships will lead to collaborations too so that's all very well and good but it's not enough for us to sit in these hives as we get in our comfort zones we don't venture further afield which means less potential opportunities less variety of ideas opinions different ways of seeing the world and you can get stuck in a professional echo chamber And also, if we aren't very sure about our own definition of success, remaining in the hive can also lead to too much comparison to others, which, as we all know, is just it's just the worst thing you can do. It's so detrimental on many levels. It's Beyonce in my beehive. That's all I want. (laughs) The beehive. Now, men, on the other hand, according to Alice, are spiders. They tend to have wider, more varied networking webs and their bonds within that slightly flimsier. But the benefits of that kind of networking are the variety of bugs. You see what I did there? Mm -hmm. That are caught in their webs. So they might lack the hive nucleus men. So really, the ideal world is to be a bit of a spider and a bit of a bee. And a great networker, according to Alice, really knows what she wants out of her connections. And she sees networking as conversations with purpose. That's a better way of describing it, Mm. isn't it? So is the purpose to stay in touch? Is the purpose something more specific? Knowledge, support, an introduction? Could you put me in touch with? That's something I've done uh, quite a lot since I gave up full-time work. So knowing the purpose of your conversation is key. 
Mm, yeah, and I think we we don't want to fall into the trap, which we can do as women, of feeling like we're being a burden to others and that we're kind of using up their time. We really shouldn't do that because we need to think of it, networking, as a cycle that ebbs and flows in all directions. So you don't necessarily have something to offer every time you speak it to somebody in order to yeah, get something back connection yeah and I think it's easy to spot the rare few I would say who always take and don't give <laughs> in these kind of dynamics and relationships and you kind of soon get fed up of those and, and you could just kind of push them to one side of it her advice Alice's advice is to do a little audit of your efficiency as a networker or you like an audit don't you Trish so mm, I do. get your story right check in with yourself <laughs> Have a little narrative about yourself in your back pocket to go out and about with and amend it depending on who you're talking to. What do you want people to know about you? What have you done recently that's new or different? Make sure you're using different means of networking. So that's LinkedIn, social, emails, that every, everything available to us nowadays, Facebook indeed as well. Um, and be consistent. She, Alice recommends that um, clients of hers will diarise their networking and keep their expectations low so maybe one new connection a fortnight half an hour of networking each week maybe on a thursday at 1 p.m so that's new networking and dipping into your old weaker yeah. ties as well yeah and kind of and, and putting it into your diary as part yeah. of your job this is part of your job to network so don't think of yeah. it as an extra chore that you have to do it's, it's part of the day-to-day i think it's gonna be interesting um how we adapt our approach to networking post pandemic because obviously a lot of people are going to continue to work from home and you know so many women now are launching small businesses at, you know a really fast rate so if you find you're in a situation where you're more remote than you used to be or the pandemic has left you feeling a bit disenfranchised, isolated, demotivated. That's going to really have a negative impact on your confidence, your positivity and productivity. So that then leads to you joining a virtual network. So Alice has recently created a co-work at Step Up Club. And um, that's basically a virtual shared workspace that happens every Tuesday and Thursday between 9.30 and 12.30, where you can work together using this sort of time chunking approach that she uses called the Pomodoro technique. And uh, so have you heard of that? Yeah. So there's 10 minutes of chat. So I think you're just on there and you're chatting to people. And then you do 50 minutes of solo work with the Zoom minimized and muted, but you know those people are still there in the background. And then you kind of repeat that throughout the morning for three cycles Mm. you get this much needed sense of community you're talking to people after your 50 minutes you'll talk about what you did in that 50 minutes you have to be accountable you know you're you're there to do work and somebody says right what have you been doing you have to tell them what you've been doing there's lots of advice and sounds um, great and she does these little mindfulness micro yoga sessions too just to kind of break up the pace and invigorating i do like this modern world that we're Mm. living in it sounds motivating and fun there's also a good ted talk by an american journalist called celeste headley on how to have conversations with people you don't know or don't like i'm quite good at having conversations (laughs) with people i don't like (laughs) having teenagers Um, and that'll help you with your networking she's got a good book out as well called we need to talk how to have conversations that matter and there's an interesting article by a self-described introvert 
Are you an introvert, Trish? I don't know. No, I'm quite no, happy chatting away so. to people. So. <laughs> By a self-described introvert and veteran tech executive, Karen Wickra, W-I-C-K-R-E. And she shares her secret to cultivating professional connections with a minimum of anxiety and awkwardness. Um, and that's on ideas.ted.com. Uh, there's a website called findnetworkingevents.com. And obviously Eventbrite has quite a lot of these events where you can network, look for the events aimed at women. We're going to put all this information on our Facebook group, of course. Yes, and anyone interested in exploring a virtual network, Alice is very kindly offering 10 of our listeners two free sessions at CoWork. So we'll post the details on our Facebook group. And if you want to find out more about it, go to stepupclub.co.uk, where you can also get in touch with Alice. Right, I think we've come to that time when we're ready for a bit of a nostalgia noodle. Uh, Lorraine, what's been tickling your fancy this week? Let me show you a little thing. Look, (laughs) look at this, Trish. Oh, my God. What do you think of her? I I don't... Well, she's got sparkly gold shorts and jazzy... You're just going to have to explain what it is. It's a bit I'm holding a a LOL doll, L-O-L doll. Okay. Um, One of my nine-year-olds. She's called Little Bling Queen. (laughs) Look, sunglasses... Yeah, kind of handbag shaped like thing, all very glittery. Anyway, so Mabel doesn't care for them anymore. She has oh. grown up and she does not want them. So I thought, well, grown up at nine. Yeah, we've got 25,000 of these things. Let's put them all on eBay because there's <laughs> going to be some lunatic out there that wants to collect them. So I was having a little route around on eBay at mm. Dolls and I came across one that I had in 1985, Ooh. which is worth a fortune now. Do you remember the Hasbro Gem doll? I don't. I have no clue. Tell me what they are. Anyway, so the Hasbro Gem doll, she was in a band. Mm-hmm. She was a rock doll. Mm-hmm. Um, she was an MTV star, but she was also had a dual personality because she was also the CEO of the record company at the same time. Ooh. Which which eighties? Yes. Yes. Two hundred pounds, I think one of them was for. She was. <laughs> 12 inches tall. But what it made me think of, this just kind of, because she was a CEO Mm. and a singer, which was seen as such a big thing, you know, a woman Mm. could be so high up in, (laughs) she was seen as a feminist doll. Oh, right. You know that that's not feminism, is it? That's just normal. That's just inequality that stopped us. doing that and then I got drawn down the route because I've never really been into Barbies so I'm intrigued to know Mm -hmm. about what you think about because Barbies had this massive makeover there are 35 skin tones they do Mm. a huge range of dolls they've really approached the whole diversity Mm -hmm. subject now I'm slightly cynical about why they've done that but what I just can't bring myself to like a Barbie but I did quite like my Gem doll. What do you think? Yeah, no, I was never because there was Cindy as well, wasn't there? There was Cindy with an S. There were those as well. But I think, um, yeah, my Esme was never into them. I was never into them. It's just maybe it's just a, a genetic thing of not being into them. But there was always that. You know, I know they have embraced the diversity thing. Are the body proportions? Do you remember if they, they when they scaled up? What if you actually took a Barbie and scaled her up to a yes. human? What she would actually like? She like ten foot long legs, massive boobs, and no sort of also, hips or torso. When they started approaching this whole thing a million years ago in yeah. the nineties, after the eighties, they said, "Well, we've made a Barbie that's an astronaut," and I'd think. 
Yeah, but she's still the wrong shape. She's still an unrealistic, (laughs) ridiculous shape. It's not that she's an astronaut, because now she's got to be an astronaut and look like that. It's like a double whammy for her. Exactly, exactly. I quite like Little Bling Queen, though, look. She's yeah, cute, she's cool. She? She's cool. Where, she? where have you been in back in time this week? Well, to my early education years, and do you know what this was inspired by? It was a packet of tea, her- herbal tea that oh I was drinking. Oh my god, the rock and roll life. I know fennel tea uh, by oh, a major brand. Oh, I know it's quite nice actually. And there was just this awful illustration <laughs> on the front that reminded me of the illustrations in those kind of children's books that we used to have to read at school, and and there was a Janet and John and Peter and Jane. We had Peter and Jane. Did you have Peter and Jane or Janet and John? It could be. It I could be like either. Janet and John was it sex education book? No, they were just. They were actually about? how you learned to read, and they were like the stories mm. of this brother and sister called my as it was Peter and Jane, and uh, so they came to mind when I was looking them up. They were Ladybird books. Do you remember the Ladybird books? Yeah. And they were first devised in the sixties, and it was all about the importance of understanding gender roles and good bedtime routine because they would have understood the importance of leaving daddy to rest and catch up on his reading after a hard day in the office. God, it's no wonder we're a very angry generation of women, isn't it? Yeah, and then it was all kind of very modern in the 70s because they got a little bit of an update and goodness, daddy started doing the washing up. Mummy got busy with her own affairs. Peter had his elbows on the table and Jane was just helping herself to milk from the fridge. I mean, you know, can you believe? (laughs) <laughs> but my favourite was Pat the dog. He was a red setter, beautiful red setter. I'm sure oh, he caused that. a few upsets in the Peter and Jane household. But yes, that's uh, that's where I went and feeling glad that our kids don't really have to listen Put to that twaddle that. or read about that twaddle. Yeah. And mine don't even have to smell fennel tea. <laughs> Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Postcards from Midlife. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed it, please tell your friends and all the midlife women you know. And remember to subscribe on your podcast provider and rate and review us too. And please make sure to download your episodes so they can count on our listener numbers, which is really super helpful for us. And don't forget to join us on our private Facebook group or on our Postcards from Midlife Instagram or email us at hello at postcardsfrommidlife.com. Trish and I check all of it ourselves, so do stay in touch. Goodbye. Goodbye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.